Hi, and welcome to Rescuing Churches. If you love pastoral life, ministry, and church revitalization, this is a great place to join the discussion about why the local church matters, how we can help the ones that are in decline, and be an encouragement to their pastors along the way. We'll even get to hear stories from special guests about what God is doing in the church at large. This show is hosted by two guys who serve the local church and is for everyone within the local church. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rescuing Churches, where it is always a great adventure discussing church revitalization and pastoral life. More at 614ministries.org. Josh, Dad Stan. Hey, everybody. Silent partner Mike is still here, Man in the Knobs at Mission Control. Today, we want to talk about blame. The blame game. Blame game. Favorite church game. I think it's a common church game. It's a very common, sadly, it's a very common church game. It happens game. a lot, actually. Yes, yes. I think it happens a lot. Maybe that's why we're doing a podcast about it. Particularly churches that are in decline. When a church gets into serious decline or we would say it's died and nobody told it. Nobody told them they're dead. They're just trying to figure it out. Yep. Um, and there's just so much blame in that mess. And you walk up in the middle of it and, you know, whether it's the there's staff still there that are blaming former staff or former members and members blaming members and members blaming staff and members blaming former pastors and ten years ago this guy did this and that doesn't sound like the church at all and and isn't this one of those things that is really dangerous well it's dangerous for a number of reasons obviously and and a lot of that you're we're about to hit and outline in this episode for you guys but at at the outset i'm just thinking one of the more dangerous reasons um for playing the blame game church is that the world who we're supposed to be ministering to looks at it and says well why would i want to be any part of that look at those christians and how they're Fighting and bickering and arguing with each other. Why? Why would I want any of that? Well, exactly, exactly. And it harkens back to the original sin uh, with Adam and Eve when they, when Adam was first addressed in sin by God, he blamed Eve and God. The woman you made caused me to do this. So it it harkens to our core sin nature, hmm. and so it's very it's very lethal at the end of the day. Absolutely. But you're right. The world looks at it as, you know, well, this is how the world behaves. The church's not behaving any different than the world when everybody's just trying to blame and slander and shame and whatever everybody. Yep. It just turns really ugly. Very ugly. And there's there's almost like a sequence to it. Um, when you start seeing a church crumble or the infra- infrastructure of the church begins to fail, you get little cliques of people that hang out together and— mm. People start exaggerating what somebody else said. Mm. Talk, talking about other people behind their back and all that Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Lots of gossip and yeah. lots of slander. So you have to. I feel, I feel like I'm back in high school already. I mean, right, right. It's, jun- like, it's junior high uh, behavior. But it's interesting because it happens in churches that are, that are struggling. Oh, yeah. With men and women who are supposed to be spiritually minded senior saints. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
you know, older adults in, in their faith. People you would expect to be spiritually mature. Right. The church goes into decline. People start looking for somebody to blame. And wh- however they figure out who that is, usually they're not even close to right. I've learned from being with churches that are in decline. They haven't figured out the real cause. This is your little sequence here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they're, they, they go into decline. They look for somebody to blame. Then it turns into slander. So I've got to really prove to you that this former pastor or that music leader that we now have, he's the one causing all this. So I've got to figure out how to slander them into that. Everybody believe in that. And that just creates a division because some people go, well, that's not him. He's not like that. You know, I didn't see him that way. Now I'm divided from you. I don't think like you. And so the church gets in this massive decline and division, doubly compounded problem. You're breaking God's heart every way you can think of at that point. That and is a it's, frightening sequence. I feel like you're the uh, I kind of uh, I feel like you're the master Yoda of of six fourteen here. Yeah. It's it's that whole uh, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. Yeah, right. The decline leads to blame. The blame leads to slander, and the slander leads to division. You're getting very wise in your old age. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you saying that, but it's really more of just experience. I've I've painfully Lots watched this, and and I see it creep into even you know healthy churches. You start seeing a problem in a healthy church, and what happens is somebody starts trying to blame somebody. Well, the the choir director didn't do this right, or the music guy, or the you know if the lawn guy hadn't been this, or you never know. I mean, it's. I like to blame. So, the, I like to blame the music guy at at my church. Thanks very much. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I think you I know, did that this morning. Actually, exactly. I think you did. <laughs> the sound guy. I mean, you can, you can pick anybody. Um, you know, the cleaning lady didn't do this or whatever. But it eventually Ooh. creates division in a small church. Everybody's got some connection and relationship. Pick. Yep. Oh yeah. And there's this network of people. So when you start finding blame you need to realize the enemy is creating division big time and what it's going to lead to is slander and division and now you're a church that's already struggling in a in a declining attendance declining energy declining health and now we're dividing yeah so what i'm hearing you say is that we've taken an already bad situation and made it worse way worse way worse way worse blame is no way to handle no anything way. so like so how do we go from how, how do we how do we put our, ourselves on a path of going from blame and decline to this this process of rebuilding how would you actually do that well i think there's two necessities there's you know a ton of things you can do to help but the two bigger necessities that I think a pastor needs to start looking at with his congregation, and this really comes out of a, a good study in Nehemiah, right out of would, Nehemiah. Help, would help you see this, um, or really if you look at some of the readings, uh, people have put a lot of posts out, and there's some good books on church revitalization. When you take a church that's in decline, they have to take ownership. They have to be heartbroken, really heartbroken, um, about the right thing, then they also have to take ownership of the need to change. You you touched on ownership a lot today in your um, continuation of your Nehemiah series this morning at at Northside. In fact, we actually I'll, did. I didn't think about that. I'll drop the um, the link to the Nehemiah series. I'll drop the link to to that into the show notes for you. Chapter nine of Nehemiah is very powerful in the sense of the people repenting of their sins, um, truly repenting once they start getting close to God. How do you kind of start that process? Well, I think it's I think it starts with heartbreak. Um, if if a pastor is struggling with his church or his church is really struggling, 
both the pastor and the church have to become heartbroken over not who did something, but where they are. How did we get here? And if we're trying to find blame, and we obviously need to, if there's a bad problem, there's a there's a sinful wolf or whatever, an evil person in your church, you've got to address that. But it's not as much about that as it is having a sense of brokenness over sins that cause a decline and the shame that's brought onto the church. The church is the bride of Christ and blood-bought saints, and it should be emanating the glory of God. If it's emanating anything but that, it's shameful. And if the church doesn't have a presence in the community, the church doesn't represent Christ well in the community, if it's in decline and it's, you know, like we talked about on one of the other podcasts, if there's no love in that church, there's no sense of love to the community, um, living out the glory of God, like it should, it's shameful. Yep. It's shameful. And I think that the one of the weird, I don't, I don't even know if weird is the right word, one of the interesting things about all of this is that brokenheartedness over sin isn't even really something that, um, you know, as as Christians and as believers today, it's, it's one of those things that we don't really exercise and maybe just because we don't, I think, grasp it as well as we should. Right. Right. In our as as believers today in 2022, we don't actually grasp what the core of heartbrokenness over sin really is. Right. And the fact that every we have, we have these ideas of little sins and you know, oh, this was just a little sin and this is a bigger sin and you know, maybe I'll feel bad if I do this, but I'm not as Every sin cost Jesus his life. Right. I'm not as bad. I'm not as bad as so and so because it's, you know, of this. I mean, it's just, you know, then we we start getting into all of that and I don't think we really grasp what it means to be heartbroken over a sin. Right. And I totally agree with that. And I think when a church is struggling, they need to acknowledge their their bigger picture sins. Right. Like we really have messed this up. Yep. If we were a, if we were doing everything by the book, you know the scripture, and following the guidelines, we may not be a big church like you know hundreds of people here, but we would be a healthy church. And if we're not a healthy church, is what we're striving for anyway. The Lord adds the number of church. So if the Lord's not sending anybody here, um, then we need to evaluate where we are and recognize we're not getting it done exactly. And you know, the strong Christ followers that are part of the church should actually be heartbroken. Now, baby Christians or new Christians or you have some church members who are not believers, they're not going to be heartbroken because they're not even heartbroken over their own sin yet. Right. But if there are people in your church that you know are walking with the Lord, if they're beginning to blame, you have to address that with them one-on-one as a pastor. Absolutely. And you got to just stop letting that happen. It's It's a... It's a big issue with pride, um, and but pride separates us from grace, right? The Lord gives grace to the humble, not the proud. Exactly. He resists the proud. And I don't want him to resist my church when I'm in decline. I'm already in decline. I don't need him resisting me. Exactly. Right? Very true. Very, very true. Yeah, I, I think a lot of this is just something that, as you know, like I said, as believers, we we don't think about. You know, and it's not natural for us to think of heartbrokenness over sin. So, um, you know, the Bible says the Holy Spirit's grieved. Grieved, yeah, grieved. That's that's God. God, the Holy Spirit, is grieved when we sin. So, if a church, which is His bride as a whole, 
is living in sin or numerous sins that cause the church itself to be ineffective. So the bride herself is broken down, handicapped, inefficient in, in glorifying you know, God, then obviously it grieves God. Yeah. And, and as we've talked about before and, and everything, and I think you're going to mention when a church struggles in that area, it can even be hard for the, the people of the church itself to understand the understand church life and ministry and, and the big picture of everything. Yeah, the big the big picture goes away because now we're just trying away. to find fault. Right. Trying to find fault with a friend so that it's not my fault. It's not about what we're here to do now. But if everybody considers the church a collective as it is, it really is a collective of people the Lord put together, then you all take ownership of that. And if we if one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. If one of us weeps, we all weep. If one of us fails, we all need to consider ourselves failures for allowing that to happen. And look through the sins of the Bible. I mean, the the selfishness, self-centered, pride, egotism, lust for power, rebellion, impatience, apathy, indifference towards people in the community, fear of loving the community, fear of the kind of people that live in your community. All of those are sins that congregations struggle with, regularly struggle with. And we, as a church leader, we need to be willing to look at that and go, it breaks my heart that we don't care about our neighbors more than we do. Um, so, and I would say as church leaders, pastors, leaders in the church, it's always good to find a way. And I've, I've seen and and heard you do this in, in ways in staff meetings, even from the pulpit. And, And you have to be careful about how you word this from the pulpit, as you, as you well know, find ways to let your church body know we are grieved about or our heart breaks for our local community in these ways in this area. Find a way to move them emotionally so that they know, hey, we should be reaching such and such a community or demographic. Well, and we've got we've got staff meeting uh, later on this week, and I'm just going to remind the staff because it still presses in on me so hard. You know, within a mile of this church, there's some single moms that are probably barely hanging on. Absolutely. They're barely hanging on. They they don't know how they're going to get their next paycheck. They don't know how they're going to get the clothes for their kids' school. They they don't have any plan to put new tires on their car, and they're putting air in their tire every day. By the way, you, you say, you say we're, you're going to remind the staff that, you know, we're talking about our church here in Mobile, Alabama, but— this is a lot of churches that are out there or have that same situation. There's, that's the whole. That's the whole. World. I'm just going to tell us we've got to be thinking about single moms out there, the like single crazy. moms. We're failing this community if yep. we're not at least trying to figure out how to help one or two of exactly. those and exactly. get our get our presence into the neighborhood right down the street from us and yep. say, if you need help, ask us. We may not be able to help you, but we sure can try. We can try or point you in the, and the, in the Lord, right direction. The Lord will help us help you if we're serious. Exactly. That's what the Good Samaritan's all about. So, but I do think it's it's necessary for us to feel a deep sense of sadness that we've not been paying attention to that. We yeah. we're heartbroken over the sin of our church to maybe be just apathetic towards the community, or maybe it's impatient. Maybe that maybe they don't want to help the community. That's rebellion. Exactly. Exactly. Um, maybe they just want to be a big fancy church like the one down the street. Well, that's pride. You know, that's that's lust and pride egotism all those things are unhealthy and the church 
leadership especially should be heartbroken about that and confess i i've sat down with our staff numerous times and we've we've literally walked our property and confessed some sins of our past that we need to let go of and i think that's by the way we mentioned it earlier a very healthy thing triggered my mind on it because i hadn't thought about putting it in this podcast but nehemiah 9 is a great picture of that nehemiah 9 is a prayer of the saints of israel the children of god in israel literally praying about their ancestral sins right and recognizing we were a bunch of idiots man we were so sinful and you were so compassionate so compassionate and then you see some of the heartbreak in there it's fantastic and prayer. and the and the ownership which is what we're coming to i think it's a good church prayer if, you're, second. if some of you pastors want to look that up nehemiah 9 nehemiah 9 just look at the prayer that the Spiritual men, the Levites pray over the people. By the way, it's a prayer they're willing to sign their name to. They're going to exactly. write this down in a document, put their name on it, exactly. saying, you Remember are that God serious of great about compassion. It. We are a people of great rebellion. Yep. We messed up. We need your help. Again, I'll have the the link to the message that you preached on that in our show notes as soon as it's up on our, our other like I didn't do a website. great job. I really left today yeah, thinking there was— Probably always feel that way, though. Not like, not like today. I feel like I left <laughs> something on the table there, so— it's just a heart. There's so much grace in that chapter. You're just saying that because I threw that out there in front of all the other pastors that listen no, to this podcast. No, so. so much. Yeah, it so might not much. be that, that great of a message. Right, right. Some other pastor out there could probably preach it better. I guarantee they can. All right, so second, the church has to take ownership of the failure. And this is, again, the ownership aspect that we're talking about, which is in Nehemiah 9. So not just to be heartbroken, but you, you have, have to, to now just take personal own it, ownership. Own it. Yeah, own and... Evaluate yourself and say, this is on us. Very we messed up. And yeah, that honest evaluation. Now we back up to chapter one and two in Nehemiah, uh, where he looks at the wall, tours it all, and and literally says, we are in a very bad situation. We're in a mess. It's, yeah, man, this is horrible. It's a big mess. You and I have been with a couple of churches where we just had to get some of the people there to go, to stop talking about what happened. Yes, I don't care about the we're, previous we're not, three pastors. We're not worried about <laughs> yeah. the last three pastors. The last three pastors are not here anymore yes. to help us. None of or, that applies to or for us to hang. Yeah, none of that applies to the mess that you're in, and even what the we got to do that is do. deal with right now. You <laughs> yeah. know, bills are due. Yeah, exactly, everybody's preaching. The guy that's preaching is not qualified. <laughs> we got to deal with now. So, but but now. the honest evaluation, lovingly to tour the brokenness of your church, the Literally look at your church and say, hey, we, re- we really are apathetic towards lost people. Right. Well, that's got to be fixed. That's not a oh, oh well. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of like the last thing Jesus said is go and tell everybody exactly. everything about what I've done for you and uh, and love lost people with all your heart. So um, so you got to fix that. And Nehemiah 2, you know, verse 17 is one of our ministry verses. See what a bad situation we're in. Then he says, um, let us rebuild. Exactly. So we're no longer a reproach. And that's really what your church, it's an easy church motto to pick up to say, we want to rebuild this church for the glory of God. So we're not a reproach to God. We're glorifying him. And we know, by the way, we're in a bad situation. This is going to be really challenging and hard. A little shout out to my uh, buddy, Pastor Jerry Knight, who's also preaching through Nehemiah at the same oh, cool. at the same time as you. So, Yeah, but church members... Um, those those who have to, who are at the church have to take ownership in their part of failing. Like we know we Big failed. Big time. Um, they cannot say, "Well, it wasn't my fault. It was all their fault." You got to say, "No, I was also on watch at the time. Yes. I was here yes. when we 
Uh, I was here when we didn't pray enough for our ministry. We haven't had enough prayer meetings about our ministry. We haven't prayed in, in tears. And, that, and that's hard. That's really hard sometimes to come to that place where you admit all of that stuff. It's very hard, but it's also very healthy. Very healthy. You, yeah, the question you asked to kind of kick all this off, you know, is what do we need to do if we're in decline and we're battling blame and slander? What do we do? Well, you got to get them to be heartbroken, but then they have to take ownership that it was me. I did not pray enough for my church. I didn't pray enough for my pastor. Um, I didn't. I didn't love my pastor like the scriptures tell me to. Yep. I didn't love the people of the church well enough. I didn't right. support the vision of our church. Yeah, I haven't cared about the, the. I don't even know what the vision of our church is. Maybe you didn't care about the events or the the activities that were happening yeah. at the I church. Didn't, I didn't. You attend, weren't involved. I didn't attend any events. I was just mad. Just mad when they quit happening. Mad about stuff. Yeah, I remember. I remember that when our church was in a slump. Oh yeah. You know, are we not going to do that anymore? Like, You're ne- you were never there. You were never even there. <laughs> We've been doing it for years, and you were never there. Now we're not doing it, and you're mad? What are you doing? Right? Seriously. But yeah, it's amazing how, how we get all sideways about that stuff. But, but, we're just on our soapboxes now. Yeah. But, pastors out there understand what we're talking church about. Church members have to take ownership of that. They have to literally recognize um, they failed to invest in their church financially. Maybe they didn't help Absolutely. the church financially enough. They didn't. The Bible says we're to give sacrificially to the church, not just yeah, not just off the top. generously, sacrificially. Yeah, so I didn't help the church financially enough to be able to maintain a decent salary for our pastor. So he had to move on. Uh, you know, I failed to invest in the church financially in some of its physical needs, or I failed to invest my own time mm-hmm. with the church. You know, so we lost the kids ministry, which caused us to go into decline because all the parents left. Right, all that exactly. All that's ownership. And once you've taken ownership and you're heartbroken, now you have to confess. Oh, no, you have to confess exactly. Which is which is the opposite. That's the turn, turning around, doing the opposite, and um, yeah. And repentance is the opposite of you know what you were doing. So I always try. I'm trying to tell people nowadays because they really they act like, well, I've repented of that, and I went. So so you were a selfish person. And you repented of that. That means you're selfless now. So you were a greedy person, right? And you repented of that. So if I go around and ask your friends, would they say you're generous? Well, no, I'm not generous. Well, then you haven't repented. I haven't really repented. You, you've you've got a desire to repent, and your brain knows. There's, we sh- we should be very aware that, as most of us learned as children, as a, at least as I did learn as a child, there's a difference between just saying you're sorry. Correct. Actually repenting. repenting saying is, saying you're sorry is just a verbal thing. You can tell God you're sorry. And you, know? you should. And, and you should. And he appreciates hearing that. He wants you to go the if opposite you repent, direction. you stop and you turn around and you go the other way with your action. Right. Right. Instead of hitting your sister with a baseball bat. Yes. Like you used to do. We're talking to anyone in the room. Yeah. Like you used to do just, with a plastic baseball bat. You should actually love even, your sister. Not even listening. It's the opposite. <laughs> right. I could have brought, brought a baseball bat to lunch today. That's how you learned it as a child. she was there. So. That's how you learned it as a child. So do the opposite. So just for example, if the person, if if that person was unsupportive, they they now need to be fully supportive. Of the church. Yeah. If you, if you just sat and watched the church go to decline without being supportive and you want to repent of that you need to be supportive. jump in go to the whatever leadership's there and go tell me how to help what i need yep. to do if you have a lack of prayer in your life now you need to become a strong prayer warrior okay? if you weren't praying for your church and you want the church to do better the repentance of that is i'm going to have a prayer meeting three times a week i'm going to pray twice at the church and once at my house because i can't i don't have that kind of time so but 
twice a week, I'll be at the church praying. If nobody else is there, I'm opening the door. I'll be sitting in this little room in the back. If anybody wants to join me to pray, because I'm not going to not pray for I'm my gonna, church anymore. And I'm going to learn from and maybe even invite some of the people I know are good prayer prayer warriors in the church to join me in that. Correct. Um, and every and almost every church has one. And they may not come, but you don't. You it doesn't stop you anyway. from doing it because <laughs> you're you the repent one repenting. anyway. Uh, if you got a lack of concern, then you need to care for the community and one another more. Exactly. If you're if you're if you haven't been concerned about the community, find a way to get concerned about the community. A physical way to demonstrate you care about the community it could be as simple as a prayer walk. You walk through a neighborhood and pray for the houses. Absolutely. Just walk. Get get your little exercise in. You know, take a water bottle with you so you don't dehydrate, but walk the neighborhood near your church and pray for your neighbors. And if you haven't been investing financially or just through involvement, then you need to invest heavily into the ministry. Exactly. Get plugged in. Exactly. Something. So the, these are the ways you kind of turn the corner on that. And and I would recommend to churches that are in pretty serious decline, uh, they need to take a hard look at some of this and be honest, evaluate yourself honestly, and then and then actually see it through the eyes of Christ. Let it break your heart that you haven't been really the should. bride you're supposed really to should. be, and then take some ownership of it. And that goes all the way from the core church members all the way up to the lead pastor. Correct. Correct. So, and then pray, invest, serve, help, visit with your pastor, prop your pastor up and encourage him, help every way you can. Always encourage the pastor. Yeah, always. Good advice no matter what. <laughs> I'm a pastor. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. Hope you found all the content and dialogue helpful and inspiring as always. I'm Josh, that's Stan, Silent Partner Mike. We'll catch you guys next time. You've been listening to Rescuing Churches, a discussion for the local church and its leaders. This show is brought to you by 614 Ministries. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614 Rebuild and visit us online at 614ministries.org. Also, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thanks for listening.